Welcome to the Old Time Radio Hour on Sid Valley Radio. This week on the Old Time Radio Hour, we'll be listening to a half-hour mystery drama, followed by 30 minutes of comedy. So, just sit back and relax. As we revisit the truly golden age of radio. Suspense! Tonight, Mr. William Bendix as star of Three Faces at Midnight, a suspense play produced, edited, and directed by William Spear. They say they got 58 million jobs in this country. 58 million jobs, and I had to pick this one. Well, that's the way it goes. Some guys that got some special ability that other guys don't have, they just get picked out of the crowd, I guess, in spite of themselves. Well, this day I'm walking along Central Avenue, not paying much attention to anything in particular. Then I see this sign, Help Wanted, it says, Jobs. Then it's got a list of different kinds of jobs, like chauffeur, house painter, salesman. There's nothing so funny about that. But then I see what kind of dough they're paying. And brother, what kind of dough they're paying. I'm thinking maybe this inflation ain't such a bad idea after all. And I walk in. Well, there's quite a bunch of guys in there, naturally, sitting around on benches. And I sit down, and every so often, a door opens. And a tough-looking little gray-haired guy okay, comes next. out and picks out a guy. And the guy goes in a sort of an office with him. And that's the last we ever see of him. So this keeps happening for a while, and I'm thinking this guy must really be handing out the jobs. And then... The door opens again, and the guy's looking at me. Okay, you. Me? Yes, you. All right, sit down. What's your name? Walters. First name? Uh. What's the matter? Don't you know it? Muscles. What? Muscles. And you. Don't try to clown with me, pal. What's your name? Listen, for your information, my first name is Sylvester. Only I don't like the name Sylvester, so. Most people don't call me Sylvester, and account of it's better for them that way. So they call me Muscles. Now you catch on? Yeah. Live here in town? No. Where are you from? Brooklyn. I should have known it. What's your IQ? Come again? Skip it, skip it. Got any friends in town? No, just... And I can see why. Look, Pop, are you talking to me about a job or a poke in the nose? What? You wouldn't try to get tough with me, would you, you big baboon? What? Is, uh... Is that gun loaded, Pop? Yeah. Now you want to make something out of it? No, I don't. And how do you like that? <laughs> but if you will put that heater down for a minute, Pop, I will bend you around like a pretzel. <laughs> you know, I think you're going to be all right, son. Yeah? Hold it now. Hold it, hold it. Don't get sore. I was just trying something out on you, that's all. Yeah, you take awful chances, Pop. Guns don't uh, worry you much, do they? Guns? I spent the last four years playing with firearms for Uncle Whiskers. Guns to me are like the measles. I don't worry about them. I, I just got a healthy respect for them, and I like to keep my distance, that's all. Especially when the other guys got them and I don't. Yeah, I think you're going to be all right. For what? Oh, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> what kind of a job did you want? Well, I don't know. I've been a cabbie, drove a truck. I was a salesman for a while. Oh, uh-huh. Lionel Strongfort? No, ladies' lingerie, mail order house. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> well, you'll make a lot more on this job than you would as any salesman. Now, uh, listen. Say this after me. What? This is John. Three faces for midnight. 
Come again? Come on, huh? come on. Say it, say it. It's part of the job. Listen, if this job means I got to play left end for the nut house, it's out. Don't I... worry, pal. Don't worry. You're going to like this job. Now, come on. Say it. This is John. Three faces for midnight. <laughs> well, what can I lose? This is John. Three faces for midnight. Again. This is John. Three faces for midnight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You're going to be all right. Well, is that good? Listen to this. What's that? A dictograph that plays records. Oh, yeah. Well, that's more like it. Have you got Crosby? Shh. Listen. Yeah? This is John. Which way is the road? Three faces for midnight. Well? We're ready. Tomorrow night. Regular time. I'll call. Yeah. Did you get it? Well, they sound just like a couple of mugs to me, especially that guy, John. <laughs> I guess nobody ever does. Why? Recognize their own voice when they hear it. That guy, John, sounds enough like you to be your twin brother. Well, I guess a guy can't help what he sa- You mean I sound like that? I mean you're hired. What a price to pay for a job. Go on through that door to the back and wait for me. I got a couple of things to do, and then we'll get busy. Well, okay, but this better be on the level. Because so far, it sure stinks. I... Oh, oh, pardon me. Uh, uh, you all alone in here? I was. Well, I didn't mean to interrupt or anything, only... He sent me in here. Oh, it's quite all right. Make yourself quite at home. Well, thanks. Only I hope you won't mind if I return to the pursuit of my magazine. Hmm? Oh, oh, you were reading. I, I like to read myself sometimes. I'm sure. Uh, uh you were, you're, you're working for this guy here? I'm afraid that's confidential. Ah, oh, so he gave you that too, huh? Why, yes. Are you working for him? Well, I don't know if you could call it working. I... Well, didn't he tell you anything? Yeah. All about how I sounded like a guy named John, and, and what did I think about guns? Guns? Yeah. Oh. But well, what are you supposed to do? Well, I, I don't know exactly. Huh. That sounds just as crazy as what I'm supposed to do. Well, you see, I'm a photographer. Oh, you take pictures? Uh-huh. I'm just an amateur, really. But I get some very good pictures. I showed him some. A 16 millimeter. What's that? Movies. With this camera here. See? Oh. Well, if this is some kind of gag for the movies, then it makes sense. They say in that racket, everybody's crazy. Well, I don't know. I figured he wanted me to take some pictures of some kind of an affair. Some wedding or something. Well, what am I supposed to do? Give the bride away? Or... Now I wanted to... Oh. You two get acquainted? Well, we were making a start. Good. Okay, now look. I got all your instructions written down here. Everything you're supposed to do. You take a train to Woodbridge and walk, not take a cab, walk to a certain house. There's a map here. You can't miss it. Well, aren't you coming? Uh, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. I'll be there, but I got to go separately. There's uh, a reason for that. So go on, beat it now. Your train leaves in a half an hour. You can read over your instructions on the way. Okay, I'm playing along as though this was on the level, but it better be. It's on the level, all right, but listen. Yeah. Don't you do anything that's not in those instructions, see? Why should we? I'm just telling you. Because I wouldn't want to see anything happen to you. Either of you. Well, that should have been the tip-off right there. Especially for a smart guy like me. But if you must know, by this time I'm... I'm thinking about this dame, who's a slick chick, but real refined, too. You, you know what I mean. And I'm thinking that this is probably the big break for her, if it is on the level, so 
I ought to help her through with it. So I do. And by the time we get out to this wood bridge, we're getting along pretty good. Except for one thing. We start off from the railroad station, like it says on the map the guy gave us, looking for this certain house. Only it gets wilder and wilder where we're going. Right into the woods. Must be a couple of miles. And then all of a sudden, there's a house. Well, that should have been a tip-off, too. You don't suppose that's it? According to this map, it's got to be. But Sylvester... Helen! Yes, Sylvester? If you call me that once more, I will bend... What did you say? I said I will bend every effort for you, but please don't call me that. Oh, well, I just can't call you muscle. It's not refined. Well, then, this must be the place. But it certainly is a funny place to have any kind of an affair. Don't look like it's been lived in for 20 years. Listen... Yeah, it's going to be a storm. Well, we better just go on inside. You know, like it says to do. <laughs> that door don't sound like it's ever been opened. Oh, gee, it's spooky in here. Yeah, I can't find a light. Maybe that nice Mr. Oh, Sylvester. What? I don't even know his name. Do you? No, and I wish I didn't know him. Close the door. Oh! Oh, shh. It's all right. It's me. Ah, that's the idea. Now we can have some light. Ah, oh, well. Well, it's nice on the inside, isn't it? Really refined. Yeah, yeah, it used to be an old hideout. Now, come out of the front room here, and I'll give you the pitch. Well, don't think we're in any hurry to know, because we are, see? <laughs> All right. Now, listen. In about an hour, there's going to be a guy come out here to take a bribe. He's quite a big guy in this town, and he's taken a big bribe. Two hundred thousand dollars. Two hundred grand? Yeah. He's going to take the money from another guy that he's never seen before. A guy named John. You're going to be John. Oh. Oh, so I'm going to be John. That's right. The guy you heard on the record in my office, the guy you sound like. The other guy you heard is the guy that's taken the money. Yeah? Well, you can count me out. The whole thing still Smells. And if I had known that you were getting a young girl... Now, wait a minute. There are only two people in the world who know about this. Me and... Yeah, and who are you? Just call me Tim. Me and Grover T. Wyatt. You know who he is. No. You don't mean Governor Wyatt. Yes. Why, he's nice. I voted for him. Why, he's one of the best-looking men. Uh, for his age, I mean. Why, it's a swell guy, clean as a whistle, for 20 years. But uh, he made one little mistake back there, and a certain guy has caught onto it. Well, all I can say is, if this thing doesn't come off, if he doesn't hear from me by 3 o'clock this afternoon, well, Governor Wyatt's a dead pigeon. I don't care if he's a dead horse. Two hundred grand is plenty of lettuce. And that means plenty of trouble. And what about this John that I'm supposed to be? He knows it, too. He's been our contact man on the phone with the scripter, and I... Well, I don't like it. And Helen here. What are you squawking about? There's nothing going to happen to you. And there's a bonus of five apiece in there for both of you. So, we stick our necks out for a lousy five bucks. Five hundred bucks? That's what I said. A lousy five hundred... Uh, five hundred? That's what I said. Say, where is this bum that's been giving trouble to the governor? I will bend him around like a pretzel. We don't need any of that. We're just going to get him good this time, and that's the end of him. And you want me to take pictures of the, uh, 
transaction. Yes, now you're getting smart. Yeah, from that landing up there. That's why we've got so much light in here. Will it uh, be okay? Oh, it'll be quite all right, I'm sure. Yeah, but uh, but there's just one thing. What? So this guy shows up and he thinks I'm John because he's never seen John. But what if John shows up? <laughs> well, now, this uh, John was sort of a double-crosser. He won't show up. Uh, how do you know? He had a little accident this morning. He's dead. William Bendix as Sylvester Walters, with Sandra Gould as Helen, his partner in adventure, in Three Faces at Midnight, a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. So there we are, just sitting and waiting in a house that looks like something Boris Karloff moved out of because it made him nervous. Me and this guy called Tim that's working for this governor called Wyatt and this slick chick called Helen that's going to take the pictures. Just sitting and waiting for a guy that's going to come and take a bribe of 200 grand from another guy called John. Only I'm going to be John on account of I sound just like him and this other guy has never seen him and anyway, this John has just got himself knocked off. You, uh, you don't get it? Neither do I. But for 500 bucks, who am I to have to know everybody's business? And Helen, she's sitting there as cool as though bribes of 200 grand and dead guys named John was just something she run across at the dime store novelty counter. So we go over what I'm supposed to say to this guy a couple of times, and the storm outside getting worse all the time. And then we hear the knock on the door. That's him. That's him. Now, all the doughs there in the briefcase. You know what to do. Helen, up on that landing, quick. Okay, okay. Where are you going to be? Right in this closet. Now, go to it and make it look good. Excuse me. Is this Mr. Hampton? No, this is John. Oh. I guess I lost my way. Which way is the road? Three faces for midnight. Okay. I knew your wife anyway. Come on in. You alone? What do you think? I'm asking. Two hundred grand. I got to answer questions. Two nuts. Okay, okay. You got it? Yeah. In this briefcase. Yeah. Two hundred G notes. I don't like that. What's supposed to be smaller? What's supposed... Well, that's how you're getting it. You want to count it? What for? It better be right. Here, look it over. I don't want no kickbacks. Okay, 200 grand. Yeah, but you'll never get to spend it. Oh, a plant, huh? Yes, with pictures. Do you like it? Well, that's too bad, team. Too bad for you, boy. Look out! <laughs> what did you do that for? I... Drop that gun, Don't drop it! it. <laughs> hey, I got it. I got it. Now stand. Stand back from the muscles. Stand back. Tim! No, no, Tim, no! No, Tim! No, no! I got what you might call a rough idea. 
Come on. We're going to get this... Out of here! We have to walk the two miles to the station through the pouring rain. But even all that cold water don't seem to make my brains work any better. We don't get back to town until about 4.30, and I still don't have it figured out. And Helen... Well, I, I guess you can't blame her. She just don't seem to have much experience in these things. So we're standing there under an awning, arguing. But, Sylvester, why don't we just go to the police or somebody and tell them... Look, Sugar, there's three guys been knocked off today. We were there when it happened, the two of them. And how do we know that that guy Tim told us was on the level? Well, maybe the police would tell us. Yeah, with a rubber hose. And here's another thing. We're carrying around a briefcase full of 200 grand of somebody else's dough. And that ain't hay, and it ain't good. Well, my goodness, what's so bad about it? All we have to do is keep it until somebody... Alan, look. I'm not really a tough guy, see? All I know is what I see in the movies. But, but I know that when you're walking around with that much hot money, you're, you're apt to wake up someday and find you've been living on borrowed time. Didn't you see what happened to that guy in that movie, The, the Killers? Oh, yeah, wasn't that good? That poor Burt Lancaster, I felt so sorry for him. Uh, well, I don't want to wind up no, no Burt Lancaster, even to make you feel sorry for me. So the first thing we got to do is ditch this dough. Ditch? Really? I mean before they find those two stiffs out there and then start trying to find a funny-looking guy and a cute-looking dame with a sack full of dough, we got to find the parties that belong to it before they find us. Now you catch on? But we can't give it back to the man it belongs to. He's... Yeah, and he said there was nobody in on the deal but him and the governor. The governor? Why, that's what we'll do, silly. Just call the governor. Yeah, how do you do that? Just look him up in the classified ads? I don't know. Ask information. Somebody must know his number. After all, you know, he's a very important man. Well, it might be worth a try at that. Of course it is. There's probably a phone booth right here in the drugstore. Yeah, but calling the governor just like that, I, I don't know. Three X, three governor, commit suicide. Paper bud faded. I got enough to worry me without the go... The governor. Tell him. The governor. He's dead. Well, of course, now I remember what that guy said about the governor being a dead pigeon if he didn't get word by three o'clock. But it's too late now for that to do anybody much good, us or him either. There was just one more chance, that employment agency. The rain had almost stopped now, and we went over to Central Avenue to look for it. Of course this is the place. I'd recognize it any time. Now, where's the sign with the jobs on it? I don't know. Maybe they took it, take it down when it rains to keep the letters from running. Yeah, maybe. The joint looks closed to me. It is. Hey, anybody in there? Hey, hey, open up! Come on, open up, open up! What do you want? We, uh, we want to see the boss. I'm in charge here. What do you want? Well, uh, we, we were sort of looking for a couple of jobs. I don't have no jobs. I'm just trying to rent this place. It's vacant. Vacant? Isn't this an employment agency? Not since this morning. You want to rent it? Look, uh, this is kind of important to us. The guy that had it before, he was a sort of a tough-looking little gray-haired guy, huh? Yeah, yeah, that's a guy. A guy by the name of Whiting. George Whiting. Oh, no, his name was Tim. Look, lady, if you know so much, what are you asking me for? Well, it's, it's all right. He probably had two names. You wouldn't know his home address, would you? I don't know a thing about the man, fella. If you got to see him so bad, the only thing I could advise you to do is, uh, uh, stick around on the off chance he might come back. But he can't. He's dead. He's well, to skip it. Well, we, we got the wrong guy. Right? 
That last crack didn't help none because I knew that guy would remember us sure. And now I saw the whole thing. That employment racket was just a phony setup to catch a couple of patsies. Us. I headed us back to the choo-choo station. On the way, I slipped a G-note out of the briefcase. It was time to do something fast. Leave town. Oh, but I don't want to leave town. It's nice Yeah, here. they got nice, comfortable slabs in the morgue, too. Come on, we're going to check this briefcase. But what are we going to check it for if we're going to leave town? If it's too heavy, Mr. Walters, I'll carry it. Look, sugar, for the last time, I hope, three guys are dead. The governor of a state almost as important as Brooklyn has just knocked himself off. All on account of what's in this bag. We are ditching this bag, sugar, and we are lambing. I'll explain what that means later. Uh, check this, will you, bud? When do you want it? Sometime next week. I'm, I'm going out of town. Okay, two bits now and two bits more for every day you leave it. You pay the rest later. There you are. Twenty-five, uh... Twenty-five. Hey, what is this, a gag? Well, what's the matter now? A thousand bucks! Oh, uh, Oh, oh, well, I must have made a mistake. You sure must have. Yeah, yeah, but I, I don't seem to have nothing smaller. Well, I sure ain't going to change this. Okay, okay, give me the bag. Come on, Helen. Hey, wait! Hey, Jerry, stop that guy! What? Hey, hey, you, wait a minute. Now, look, officer, I just... Come on, come on, the man wants to see you. What's the matter, Sam? That guy must be nuts. He just walked off and left a $1,000 bill. Oh, did I say? A G-note, let me see. Well, it's mine. Ask him. Where'd you get this, bud? Well, my officer, I, I, well, I, I just made a little killing at the track. Which track? Why, the, uh, uh, look, I just wanted to check my bag, officer. What's in that bag? Well, nothing, nothing, officer, just some purely personal stuff. Now, uh, let me see. Say, what is, you, you... Right, give me that bag. Uh, well, well, well. What's in it, Jerry? Hi, there's nothing in this bag at all. Nothing at all. Just a little movie camera. You see, I told you. And about a million bucks. Come on. Come on, Sylvester. Come clean. I told you. And please, please don't call me that. We ain't started to call you nothing yet, Sylvester. Why'd you kill him? You killed him for the dough, didn't you? Where'd you hear about it? How'd you know he had the dough? This is your gun, isn't it? No, no, no. I told you, they knocked off each other. I was just... Sure, sure, with the same gun. One guy shoots the other one and then hands him the gun, and only the gun's got your prints all over it. I took it away from the guy. You were robbing the house, weren't you? They came to make their deal, and you knocked them off. Listen, the governor himself knew... Sure, we'll get the governor to come right down and make a statement. You trying to be funny, Sylvester? You were robbing the house. You swiped the camera, and you put it in the bag, and then they came in. You saw all that door, and you knocked them off. Listen, Sylvester. You don't want to get that sweet little girlfriend of yours in the jam, do you? Helen, what have you done to her? Nothing. She... Yet. Come on, come clean and we'll let her go. But I tell you, I... Come don't... on, Sylvester. Or we'll send her to the hot seat with you. You wouldn't. You couldn't. No? That's what you think. You killed him, didn't you? You killed him. Well, okay. Okay, I killed him. Now you're happy. That's a boy. That's a boy, Sylvester. Hey, get this, Harry. Now, will you stop calling me that? Okay, Sylvester, you killed him. What was the girl doing there? She had nothing to do with it. She was just taking the pictures. Uh, what pictures? The pictures. The pictures! There's your answer, you big dopes. Go look at the pictures. <laughs> Now he's right. 
Mac, those pictures show the whole thing. Pete shot Tim O'Mara, and then this guy got the gun away from him, and O'Mara shot Pete, just like he said. Yeah. Now you catch on? You sure? No argument, Mac. It's all right there on the film. Well, you're a lucky boy. Sylvester. Yeah, sure. I get all the breaks. Now go on. Beat it. Beat it before we think of something else. Okay, you've had your fun. Didn't you like it? Sylvester. But if you'll take off that gun and that badge for a minute, I will bend you around like a pretzel. You mean right here, Sylvester? Yeah, right here. After I served my 90 days, I went and got my name changed by a judge from Sylvester to Muscles. It's legal now. Mr. Muscles Walters. It may sound funny to you, but I like it. Oh, yeah. And Helen got her name changed, too. She's Mrs. Muscles Walters. Now this is Ken Niles returning for a curtain call with the rugged star of tonight's suspense play, William Bendix. Bill, are those bulges in your coat really muscles or did your tailor install them? Well, they ain't morph balls, chum. You want to see me tear up a phone book? Ah, uh, you're safe. I don't happen to have one on me. Oh. Well, I will demonstrate with my script. Hmm. Only 30 pages. Uh, give me yours, too, Ken. Uh, well, uh... Now, I fold them once, then twice. And then I stack up the pieces and... Hey. Oh, that's uh, fine. There went both scripts. Now what do we read from? Well, gee, Ken, I, I never thought... There's a kind of hush All over the world Tonight So live. 
listening to the Old Time Radio Hour, here, on Sid Valley Radio. in Hollywood, starring Robert Young as father. A half-hour visit with your neighbors, the Andersons. Not too many weeks ago, we spoke of love, and now we're going to speak of it again. This might prove to be monotonous except for one thing, the peculiar quality of love itself. You see... Love is a sickness full of woes, all remedies refusing. Despite repetition, you'll find that it grows constantly more confusing. So let's go to Springfield to the white frame house on Maple Street, where for the next half hour, the Andersons will add their special sort of bewilderment to our own natural confusion. But good. All right, Kathy, let's pretend it's a game. Now listen. A has 12 apples. He gives one-third to B. Why? What do you mean, why? Why does he give one-third to B? Kathy, I... Well, how can I understand it if I don't know why he's giving the apples away? Jim, Bud isn't busy, and I'm sure Margaret. He... Yes, dear? I'm perfectly capable of explaining simple fractions even to this genius. 
All right, dear. I suppose you know best. Now, look, Kathy. If I just knew why he was giving the apples away, then maybe I could figure it out. They're very good friends, Kathleen. A and B? Yes. How come? Well, they were in the army together. While they were in the army, they decided that if they ever had any apples, they'd share them. Now, is that clear? It didn't say that in the book. It was on another page, and the page fell out. <laughs> oh, well, no wonder I didn't understand it. All right. A has 12 apples. He gives one-third to B, and he gives one-fourth to C. Was he in the army, too? It's uh, possible. Then why did he give C more than B? He didn't. He gave him less. You said he gave him a fourth. He did. But he only gave B a third. Kathy, a third is more than a fourth. You mean a three is more than a four? No, it's less. But a third is more than a fourth. A third of 12 is four, and a fourth of 12 is three. And four is more than three, so a fourth is less than a third. <laughs> Don't you think... Margaret, I've explained it as simply as anyone possibly could. I've done everything but produce A, B, and C in person. And if she had the faintest idea of what the whole thing was about... Betty, stop that pounding! Did you call me, Father? I said stop it! She's been playing that same idiotic song for the last hour. <laughs> How did I know the page fell out? <laughs> Kathy, suppose we call your brother and ask him... Margaret, why do you keep insisting that we call Bud? There's no reason to believe that he can do better than I, is there? Well, he can't do any worse, can he, dear? Bonsoir, mon père. Dites-moi pourquoi. What? I said, bonsoir, mon père. Dites-moi... Oh, stop it. But you said... You've done nothing but spout bad French around here for three days, and I've had just about all I can stand. But how can I learn to speak French if I don't practice? Well, practice on somebody else. Now, look, Kathy. Yes, Daddy. A has 12 apples. He gives one-third to B. French is the most beautiful language in the world. Everybody says so. I don't. I'm perfectly happy with English. <laughs> How much is one-third of 12? Four. I wasn't talking to you. Oh, je ne sais pas encore. Dans le jardin de mon fils. <laughs> Whatever she said, it had nothing to do with apples. <laughs> A has 12 apples. In French, it... apple is palm. Betty. All right. A has 12 palms. He gives one-third of the palms to B and one-fourth of the palms to C. Now, how many palms does he have left? Five. <laughs> Where did that come from? Isn't it right? Yes, it's right. Well... Margaret. Well, dear, maybe she only knows how to do French arithmetic. <laughs> I don't know. Other people have children, and they don't have to go through this. But night after night, day after day... Dad, say, Dad. Bud, I don't think this is quite the time. But I have to tell him something. Dad, I figured it out. Good. Now look, Kathy. Don't you want to know what? All right, what? You know what I'm going to be when I get out of school? An old man. Jim. 
<laughs> well, at the rate he's going... Le petit garçon est sûr. Oh, Betty, stop it. Jumping creepers. But why don't you and Kathy go upstairs? I haven't told Dad what I'm going to be. I know what I'm going to be. I'm going to sit in the corner and cut out paper dolls. <laughs> Can I help you, Daddy? <laughs> yes, just keep it up. You're helping me fine. You know what I'm going to be? An inventor. Margaret. I was reading a book, and it says you can make millions just inventing things. Uh, Bud, why don't you run over to Joe Phillips and tell him about it? I haven't got time. I have to go invent something. <laughs> well, go ahead. What would be a good thing to invent, Bud? Why don't you invent a machine for doing fractions? How about a self-answering doorbell? You push a button... Bud, see and... who's at the door. But don't you want to hear about... See who's at the door. Holy cow. <laughs> Where do you think Edison would have been if he spent half his life answering doorbells? Margaret, have you read of any organized plot by the children of America to drive their fathers insane? Not recently, dear. I didn't do anything. Of course not. You never do anything. Well, I certainly haven't. No? I had less trouble with French at the Battle of the Bulge than I've had Betty, with you. Betty, it's Billy Smith. Oh, fine. Now we're going to have poetry. What do you suppose he wants? Oh, dear, I forgot to tell you. Billy called when you were out. Mother, you didn't tell him he could come over. Well, he asked if you were going to be home. Mother. I thought you and Billy were getting along fine. Oh, but he's so, so, aujourd'hui. <laughs> he's what? Hi, Betty. Why, Billy, how nice. Hello, Mrs. Anderson, Hello, Mr. Billy. Anderson. Hello, Billy. How Hi, are Kathy. You? Hi, Billy. Say, Dad, I was telling Billy about my idea. And uh, he not said, now, Bud. But I just want to tell Bud, you... Bud, why don't you take Kathy upstairs and help her with her homework? But if I waste all that time... It won't hurt you to be a millionaire a few minutes later. <laughs> oh? Well, okay, Kathy, come on. Gee whiz. What are you kicking about? You're costing me thousands of dollars every second. <laughs> How's your family, Billy? Just fine, thank you. Say, Betty, I found a book of old English verse. English? Well, I just thought if you weren't doing anything... Haven't you heard, Billy? We've gone French. Yeah, I know. Everybody in the school knows the way she moons over that guy. Billy! What? Why, Betty... Billy Smith, you're just the nastiest boy I've ever known in my whole life. That's what you are. I suppose you don't moan over him. You can ask anybody in the class. You can get out of my house. That's what you can do. Oh, I can, can I? You're jealous. That's what you are. Jealous? Me? And I don't care if I never see you again either. Well, that's all right with me. I don't care if I never see you again. You know what you are? You're nothing but a... a Shamanda fur! <laughs> Betty! It's all right, Margaret. She just called him a railroad. <laughs> Anytime you'd rather have that Frenchman, well, you can have him. Well. Good night, Mr. and Mrs. Anderson. Good night, Billy. <laughs> all right, Betty. What? Who is he? Who? You know very well who. This Marshall plan in reverse. <laughs> What's his name? Robert Legrand. <sighs> is he in your French class? He is my French class. I mean, oh, Father, he's just beautiful. Betty, I don't think it's very nice throwing yourself at a boy this way. You would if you saw him. How is it you've never mentioned him to us? Are you ashamed of him? Oh, no, Father. You uh, wouldn't be ashamed of us, would you? 
father. Betty, you know we don't approve of dates with boys we haven't met. I know, Mother, but... Wait a minute. I think I can fix the whole thing. Betty, why don't we have him over for dinner? Robert? When I was in the service, the people of France practically broke their necks being nice to me. And by golly, this is my chance to do something for them. But I don't think he'll come to dinner, Father. You see, Of course he, he will. Where does he live? At the International House, but Father... I think it's a very good idea, Betty, to know your young man and... Your father can find out about all the girls he left behind. <laughs> Margaret. It's an excellent idea. It really is. Where are you going, I'm going to call him right now. What's his number, Betty? Bedford 2206. But, Father, if you'll only listen. 2206. Oh, yes, sir. Father, he never goes anywhere. He's only been here a few weeks. Hello, he... may I speak to Robert? Uh, just a minute. What was it again? Legrand, but Father... Robert Legrand. Please. Thank you. He's going to say no, Father, and if he does, I'll die. I'll simply die. Why should he say no? We're not going to... Hello? Mr. Legrand? Oh, this is Betty Anderson's father. Yes. Mr. Legrand, uh, Betty's been telling us all about you, and we were just wondering if you'd like to have dinner with us. Well, how about tomorrow night? What did he say, Father? Uh, 607 Maple Street. That's it. Uh, at 6? Right. See you then. Yes, good night. Was he there, Jim? Sure, and he said he'd love to have dinner with us. Where are you going, Betty? I'm going upstairs and lie down. I don't feel too well. You're acting like a lovesick two-year-old, and I'm ashamed of you. Margaret, I don't know what's getting into that girl. I swear I don't. Oh, Robert. Well... Make believe Mr. Gribble is A. He has 12 apples. If Mr. Gribble had 12 apples, he'd keep them. Have How can you be so dumb? A has... What's the matter, Betty? Don't you feel well? Father ruined everything. He invited him to dinner. Robert? How do you know his name? We listened. <laughs> oh, what am I going to do? About what? Since when do you get all upset about having a boyfriend over for dinner? Oh, you just don't understand. Nobody understands. We don't understand what? He isn't my boyfriend. He's my French teacher. Oh, no. <laughs> Remember what we said in the beginning about love? Well, we were right, weren't we? Yes, sir, if there's one thing that can get you mixed up, it's love. Especially when it concerns people. And whether you believe it or not, children are people. At times. Betty, do the forks go on the left in France? Just put them down and don't talk so much. I don't have to do what you tell me. You're not my mother. Kathy, please, for my sake. Well, all right, but he doesn't have to be so bossy. Gosh, Betty, you don't have to look so scared. It'll turn out all right. If it only would. I didn't even tell him once that he's your teacher. Kathy. Well, I didn't. Betty, you know, it's none of my business, but wouldn't it have been better if you told him? Oh, I don't know. 
I've tried to tell them a dozen times, and it just won't come out. I'll tell them. You set the table. <laughs> well, I just want to help. If I tell them, they might get mad and tell him not to come. But I want him to come. Only sometimes I don't. But... What? Did you understand that? Sure. She wants him to come to dinner, only she doesn't. Oh! <laughs> I keep telling myself, once he gets here, everything will be all right. Except maybe it won't be. Well, good gosh, just because he's a teacher. My teacher was here last month, and I didn't care. You don't understand. Nobody understands. Nobody understands what? Oh, uh, hello, Dad. Uh, we, uh, we uh, were just uh, talking. About what? Well, uh, we uh, just... Uh... <laughs> just talking, Father, that's all. Well, you must have been talking about something. Well, doesn't the table look beautiful? I helped fix it, Mommy. Well, that's fine, dear. Well, what is it, bud? What's the big secret? Jim, when it's this close to Christmas, you don't pry into private conversations. Oh. Oh. Well, Betty, it's almost six. It is? Why don't you run upstairs and fix your hair? I've got to put on a whole new face. Why didn't somebody tell me how late it was? You too, bud. What? Comb your hair. You've got a cowlick a mile high. Well, gosh, he isn't coming to see me. <laughs> Go upstairs and comb your hair. Holy cow. Next thing you know, they want me to get a permanent or something. <laughs> how about you, Kathy? I'm clean. When was the last time you washed your hands? Three o'clock, but I've been very careful, Mommy. Upstairs. Go ahead, dear. Gee whiz. Nobody made this much of a fuss when my teacher came over. Well, just the same. What was that? What? Come back here. I have to wash I hands. said come back here. <laughs> yes, Daddy. Jim, you're frightening the child. But did you hear what she said? I'm afraid I did. What was that about a teacher, Kathleen? I didn't say anything about Betty's French teacher, Daddy. I promised her I wouldn't. I mean... Her French teacher? <laughs> Oh, this is fine, Margaret, just fine. I didn't mean to tell you. And now Betty will be mad at me. Betty! Do you want me, Father? Come down here right now. Jumping creepers. Jim, don't forget, you were the one who invited him to dinner. I invited a boy, not a man. All right, Kathy, you may go upstairs. Go ahead, dear. I tried so hard not to tell you. What's the matter with you? It slipped. <laughs> Come in here, Betty We want to talk to you Upstairs, Kathy <laughs> Oh, that poor little thing Can get into more trouble What did she do now? She told us about your French teacher That's what she did She did? Why, the little snitcher <laughs> Betty, why didn't you tell us the truth? About Robert? Yes, Robert. You said he was a boy in your French class. No, I didn't. You said he was a boy in my French class. He's an older man, Betty. You have no right to go out on dates with him. He isn't an older man. He's only 35. <laughs> and besides, I never said I had a date with him. You mean you haven't? 
I'd never even seen him outside of school. Well, we fixed that, Margaret, didn't we? We did? (laughs) Having him here for dinner was just as much your idea as it was mine. All right, dear, if it makes you happy. Well, it was. Betty, you're never going to see him again, are you? Socially, I mean. Why not? Because we say so, that's why not. And you're taking the wrong attitude. Oh, I am, am I? I suppose you like the idea. Of course not, but Betty's a sensible girl. She has no intention of seeing him again, have you, dear? Haven't I? (laughs) Wait till you see him. Betty, look, this man's an instructor at the university. He's years older than you. I like older men. But he's old enough to be your father. He's a man of the world. You have nothing in common with him. Well, that's why I'm studying French, so we will have something in common. (laughs) A language isn't enough, Angel. You're only 17. Your life is just beginning. You have such wonderful years ahead of you. And if he's 35... Now, wait a minute, Margaret. Let's not get carried away with this thing. (laughs) After all, I'm older than he is, and I'm not exactly ready for the old soldier's home. I didn't mean that, Jim. When a man's 35 or 40, he's in the very prime of his life. He's living his best years, not looking back at them. And I want to live them with him. (laughs) You do no such thing. But, Father, you just said... Never mind what I just said. No daughter of mine is going to run around with a man old enough to be her father. Jim, I wish you'd make up your mind. I have made up my mind. I'll tell this... This blue beard. Father, he's here. Well, I'll take care of him. I'll get it. I'll get it, too! Jim, remember that he's our guest, no matter what we think of him. That's what I like about cannibals. If they don't want somebody around, they chuck them out. They don't sit around being pleasant. <laughs> Father, if you do one thing to disgrace me... Yes? You won't, will you, Father? Please? <laughs> of course not, baby. You know I wouldn't hurt you. Andy! Well, what? Andy! Mon Capitaine! Frenchie Legrand! It's a dream. It's a dream. The whole thing. It's a dream. Frenchie, you old son of a gun. Oh. Jim. Betty, why didn't you tell me it was Frenchie Legrand? Who? Margaret, you've heard me speak of Frenchie Legrand. Well, of course. He was the interpreter with my outfit. We went all through France together, didn't we, Frenchie? Father! This is the happiest day of my whole life. I, I, I don't know what to say. (laughs) Dad, is this the Frenchie who got all those medals? He's the one. Gosh. Frenchie, this is my son, Bud. Oh, I know him. I know them all. I've seen their picture a thousand times. Marguerite and Kathy and Betty. He... Bonsoir, Monsieur Legrand. This girl sits in my class, and I say, where have I seen this face? And I'm such a fool, I don't think. <laughs> Jim, if we're going to have dinner... There's lots of time for dinner, honey. It's an occasion. You don't find an old friend like Frenchie every day. I was telling my father... Come in here, Kathy. Don't stand out in the hall. Yes, Daddy. You mean, this is Kathy. That's my baby. Oh, but she was an infant. I'm nine years old. Nine years old. <laughs> and in the picture, 
<laughs> She's lying on a rug. <laughs> oh, Kathy, the picture your father had of you. <laughs> Daddy! Father and I were just saying... Uh, Jim, everything's going to be burned to a crisp. Oh, madame, madame, how can we think of food at a time like this? Never in my entire life am I so excited. Oh, this is wonderful. <laughs> Say... You remember Eddie Miller, don't you? Eddie Mi uh, Oh, you mean Laughing Boy. Yeah. <laughs> Where do you see what happened to him? I've got a picture in my wallet here someplace. Uh, Kathy, oh, what did I do with Go that into the thing? kitchen and turn everything off. Yes, Mommy. Bud, you'd better put the celery and things back in the icebox. Yes, ma'am. Just the other day, I was telling my here father... Here it is. I wait. knew I had it someplace. Oh, wait a minute. You mean this is Eddie Miller? Mm hmm? But he looks so sad. Well, he got married. <laughs> Betty, why don't you see who's at the door? The door? Well, don't just stand there. Go ahead, dear. See who it is. Jumping creepers. Uh, here's another one you ought to remember. Why don't he? That's DiMartino. He was the one with you on that champagne deal, wasn't he? No, no, no. That oh. was the other one. You Which know, one? what was his name? The one he used to uh, Oh, yeah. I know. Hello, Billy. Here are your books. I brought them back. Thank you very much. What's the matter? Don't you feel well? I feel fine. Would you like to come in? You want me to come in? If you want to. Well, I don't want to if you don't want me to. Betty, close the door. You better come in. Okay. <laughs> What's going on in there? Oh, it's just my father and my French teacher. Oh. Well, I better go. Billy, don't be ridiculous. I'm not being ridiculous, but I know how you feel about him, and why should I hang around? Billy, will you stop being childish? Why, he's old enough to be my father. You know, it's a funny thing about love. It picks you up and it lets you down. But somehow, well, there's always time for breakfast. Like this. Boy, has he got medals. He's got some I never even heard of. Medals? What good are medals? May I have my coffee, Margaret, please? Of course, dear. Thank you. Billy's gonna write a poem about my eyes. What a drip. <laughs> he says they're like limpid pools of stardust. Isn't that beautiful, Father? Oh, yes. Very original, too. <laughs> Limpid pools of stardust. I'll bet he's the only guy in Springfield with a legion of honor. Isn't that right, Dad? I wouldn't know, bud. May I have the sugar, Kathy? <sighs> Kathy, may I please have the sugar? Frère Jacques. <laughs>
Join us again next week when we'll be back with Father Knows Best, starring Robert Young as Jim Anderson, with Roy Bargey and the Maxwell House Orchestra, and yours truly, Bill Foreman. So until next Thursday, good night and good luck. The Old Time Radio Hour will be back next Sunday at 4 o'clock. We hope you can join us here on Sid Valley Radio.